0: Welcome to the most electrifying must-listen to podcast in sports entertainment. John Ralph, Welcome- everybody. Welcome to FFC. <laughs> I am your host, Man with Hair, a uh, resident person. I. Uh, one year closer to the grave, Damian Ellinghouse, accompanied as always by good friend and lover of being the person to blow out birthday candles on somebody else's birthday cake, Ryan Doyle. Has that
1: happened before? Have I done that?
0: I don't know. It'd be funny though if I had to did. dig into
1: the old bank of past transgressions.
0: <laughs> okay, how? When was the last time I was drunk enough that that would have happened? It would have been pre-COVID. It was probably oh, Anthony. So, like.
1: Uh, you know, you could just write yourself off pre pre COVID. You were you were a different man,
0: different guy, different person. This is
1: different boy. You know, whatever 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 that guy was before that. Forget about it. You're new
0: plague, new me.
1: We're absolving you of the FFC uh, Council of Gods. We absolve you of your sins prior to COVID. Congratulations.
0: We hereby uh, grant you a seat on the council, but we do not grant you the rank of master. No, no. Outrageous. It's unfair. Okay, so we are going to jump right into it. We got some stuff to talk about, some stuff coming up. So we're just going to chugga-chugga-choo-choo right up into it. But first, of course, Ryan, what are we drinking?
1: So, I went up to Boston this weekend, good old Bean Town. Uh, I head up Trillium, the mecca of breweries, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and I head up Dorchester Brewery, which was the size of a closet when I attended it four years ago. It's literally right around the block from my brother in Boston. Doubled in size oh, since I've been there last. That's very nice. good to see.
0: It, Trillium uh, is Trillium the one at outside has all the like murals and shit? Is that Trillium that I'm thinking of, or is that a different one?
1: There's different locations of Trillium in Boston. I go to the one downtown in the seaport district, okay, it's kinda like hidden away down an alley okay uh you may be right. I just haven't been to that location yeah nah, if I' don't you're remember. clearly referring to it, but if you're in the Boston area uh and you're a beer lover, please do go hit it up um. But stupid me left all my beer that I got at my girlfriend's house, so... Yeah. <laughs> but let's turn this into um, a greatest hits, I suppose. My oh beer my of the God. year. I swear to and God. It's another... No, no, don't worry. It's another... Treehouse, the last treehouse oh, okay. of twenty twenty one. Okay,
0: Julius, that's that's fine. Yes. I can. What
1: would you think it was going to be? You think it was going to be fucking Voodoo Ranger?
0: I was so fucking positive it was going to be Voodoo Ranger. Now, Voodoo, I, Rangers, <laughs>
1: Voodoo Ranger has been banned from from FFC. So,
0: all right. So it looks like we both have some rarities here today. So you've got the infamous Treehouse, and I, well, Ryan, I have this. Oh, here you go. Oh yes. In my hands, liquid gold itself, drink from the can, by the alchemist, Vermont. We got Heady Topper here, 8%, a pint, y'all know what it is, and if you don't know what it is, Heady Topper is an American Double India Pale Ale, it is one of the most uh, famous craft beers, highly sought after, notoriously difficult to find even when you're at the source. but I was fortunate enough to find this one at a coffee beer shop. So just In New you know, York? I, No 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 in, in uh when me and no, okay. Gina went to Burlington. Uh so I guess we just came in on restock day and we happened to get there at the right time and uh so hey, this is the first one I'll be cracking. I didn't even open one there. So it's been a while. Hetty topper is a dank guy, so uh let's let's crack 'em and sip 'em, yeah. Dank beers are a dank episode. Dank. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) heady aroma uh it's so hot i usually don't like dank hoppy boys like this but uh well this one is just hard hard to not like all right so ryan we will jump right into it so uh I was given a treat leading up to my birthday where cards for Wrestle Kingdom 1, 2, and 3 were all announced for nights 1, 2, and 3. And that's what we're going to start off with here. So, for anybody that does or doesn't know, Wrestle Kingdom is, well, it's, it's, you know, I know G1 season is the most special time of the year, but Wrestle Kingdom it's just it's the it's the crowning event of wrestling even when new japan is in flux or struggling we still we still got this now of course we've got new variants again and we don't know what's happening anywhere in the world is chaos but nonetheless starting tomorrow from tomorrow to friday we've got the road to the tokyo dome shows these are the last house shows of the year for new japan and then, of course, on January 4th, we have got Wrestle Kingdom 16. January 8th, uh, I'm sorry, January 5th, we've got Wrestle Kingdom 16. And January 8th, we've got Wrestle Kingdom 16. Uh, now, initially, when, when they announced that New Japan was going to be doing a three-night Wrestle Kingdom, uh, everybody who was a fan kind of went, uh, "Are we? are we maybe stretching the Goodwill a little bit? But... Uh, Gato, you magnificent bastard, uh, swerved us once again and, and revealed that night three was going to be a super card between new Japan and pro wrestling Noah. The first one of its kind in at least five, six years since Suzuki goon went over there was exiled. So, uh, before we do anything else tonight, we got to talk about what's coming up. All right. So we're going to go from the bottom up now. Uh, Ryan, I know you've danced a little bit in and out of new Japan this year. Cause that, you know, it's been a lot, a lot of wrestling happening, not so easy to keep up with, but are there any storylines or, or championships that you are currently aware of that you are most interested in?
1: Uh, well, I would say the, uh, culmination of the storyline, the year long storyline that we're, that's going to, uh, envelop at wrestle kingdom and that is the one true heavyweight champion Very much so um let's see the junior heavyweight uh takahashi am i correct
0: yep he's gonna be well we'll go through that so he won the best of super juniors okay believe this is the second year in a row third time in his career if i'm not mistaken that's Uh, why he said
1: thank you on twitter Yes. Okay, yes. cool. I thought he was just giving like a random like thank you.
0: No, no, no. He he's he's uh, our special boy one again in a, another classic final. Uh so yes, the the big storyline of course uh that'll be headlining both nights of Wrestle Kingdom will be who is the true world heavyweight champion. So of course Shingo Takage uh who let's see. When has Shingo been champion since? Excellent question. Let's all, go on the old NJPW world. So Shingo Takage, who after Will Osprey was forced to uh, give up the belt due to neck injuries and not wanting to do it in Japan, not wanting to recover there, forced to vacate. And shockingly, Shingo Takage beat Kazuchika Okada uh, for this belt. And that was on June 7th. All right. So our young man... Will is champion six months already, and since then, Shingo has brought some much-needed stability to the main event. Uh, This belt has felt a little cursed. Kota Ibushi had his first and only successful defense against El Desperado after he uh, defeated Naito and officially united the IWGP Heavyweight and Intercontinental Championships. He would only hold the belt for exactly a month before dropping it to Will Ospreay who then would have one successful defense against Shingo Takage and then would have to drop it himself uh, not even a month later, maybe a month and a half later, at which point Shingo won. But since then, Shingo had an incredible match against Okada and then defenses against Tana, Evil in one of Evil's better matches since Turning Heel, and Zack Sabre Jr. in an absolutely incredible, incredible defense. So Shingo... Uh, six months in and just continuing to show that the uh, Rampage Dragon, this is his year and this is his company right now. Probably been my wrestler of the year. Uh, Osprey, however, came back in America on New Japan Strong, announced that he was the true heavyweight champion because uh, he was forced to vacate, but there were plenty of other people like John Moxley that didn't show up for a year and a half and did not have to vacate their titles, which is a valid point. And then Kazuchika Okada winning the G1 in somewhat unfortunate controversial fashion when kota ibushi was forced to forfeit the g1 final decided that he was going to instead of a trophy or a briefcase uh he wanted to be given the iwgp heavyweight championship belt instead so the return of the v4 and he basically discounted shingo entirely said that this belt represents the true champion of new japan and that he knows he's not a champion, but really he is the champion. And that his first defense will be against Ibushi. But, uh, you know, said, "Hey, if Shingo wants to challenge me, that's fine." So Shingo is going to be coming angry. And so these are the three men that are that will be making up the main event scene. So from the bottom down, okay, night one, Wrestle Kingdom. And the main reason we're talking about this now is because, well, we have. I think we might have time right before we might have an episode but with the new year it's it's very hard to tell so just in case yeah you know the next time we would record would probably be when it was happening so we're just going to do our rundown now so opening up night 1 is going to be the provisional KOPW 2022 match uh this trophy introduced years ago has been all about Toriano and has basically been used as a you know a gimmick for some kind of fun lighthearted comedy spots um so At New Japan, uh, has decided that at each Wrestle Kingdom, that is when a new one will be crowned. Uh, and well, you don't know yet who the people will be fighting for that. Then you're gonna have a special single match, Yo versus Sho. So, shockingly, after the Super, uh, the World Junior Tag League, when Sho, uh, turned heel and gave up, turned his back on his Roppongi 3K member, uh, tag member, Yo. Uh, after watching Yo struggle when coming back from injury, Yo would go on to start 0-4 in the best of Super Juniors, but would win out after that defeating Sho in the final night to go on to take on Hiromu Takahashi. All they,
1: my homies hate Sho.
0: Yep. Uh, Show Now, Sho has had a really incredible run while Yo was injured, but once Sho turned heel and joined House of Torture, he unfortunately kind of devolved into the same shit that everybody there has been doing, and it's it's like the worst qualities of bullet club uh it's not it's not been super entertaining and and dick uh, togo yep and dick togo uh show was the one who interfered with uh hiromu and yo's match in the best of super juniors final uh, and you know almost cost it for yo and hiromu yo would end up losing so this is it's time for some revenge the only other times that they have met was right after they turned heel show beat yo very good match and then yo defeating show in the best Super Juniors. So this will be their third match. They're tied at one apiece. Then, we're going to have a little sneak preview six-man tag of the uh, US Championship match that'll take place the second night. And this is going to be the ace, Hiroshi Tanahashi, and the mega coaches, Ryusuke Taguchi and Rocky Romero versus Kenta, Taiji Ishimori, and El Fantasmo. So the two storylines culminating here is the next night, Tanahashi will take on Kenta, looking for a rematch to try and regain the IWGP U.S. Championship after Kenta took it back and finally fulfilled his destiny after carrying around that briefcase for over a year and a half. While the mega coaches, Taguchi and Rocky Romero, uh, coming back from America, will be looking to take on Taiji Ishimori and El Fantasmo in a triple threat for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championship. Uh, Taguchi and Romero are looking to become the 69th uh, Tag Champions. This is... Not a surprise to anybody as Taguchi has a sense of humor and was also the 69th junior tag champion. And I believe if he won, it would make him officially break the record for the most reigns. Uh, so Then, the following uh, following that match, you're going to have Tetsuya Naito, Sonata, and Bushi versus the United Empire of Jeff Cobb, Great O'Conn, and Will Ospreay. Um, the big stories here will be the return of... Naito, after you know, coming back from his injury, being in the World Tag League, uh, he'll have a match the next night against Jeff Cobb. I uh, expect Bushi to take the loss here. Oh, that's going to be a good one. It should. It should be a fun one. However, uh, arguably the biggest deal on this card, the miraculous return of the wrestler himself, Katsuyori Shibata. After his absolutely stunning return in a five-minute exhibition match versus Zack Sabre Jr. at the G1 Finals, Shibata said he had a special announcement. And about a week ago, he announced that that announcement was Shibata will be wrestling, wrestling, wrestling in a true-to-form match. His opponent has not been chosen yet. Um, there's a whole host of people he could pick from. It could be one of the LA Dojo guys. It will probably not be Kenta unless they'd want to give Kenta double duty, which I obviously severely doubt. A lot of options for who it could be for Shibata, but the important thing is that Katsuyori Shibata is going to be wrestling on a New Japan ring again, a full-fledged match, and 1,199 days since his horrific injury where he suffered a suffered a, a subdural hematoma in his highly lauded match against Kazuchika Okada during the Rainmakers two-year uh, IWGP Heavyweight Championship reign. What's your prediction? So uh, a lot of people have been floating out that maybe it'll be like Ren Narita or um, Yuya Uemura, which, who Shibata took under his wing after Uemura went on excursion uh, and went to the LA Dojo. So... You know, decent money says it would probably be one of the L.A. Dojo guys. You know, is that uh, is that handsome boy? Uh, Uemura, yeah, that's yeah. that's Anoki Anoki Junior. Um, so you could also see the return of you know Rennerita or possibly Shooter Shota Umino. Uh, perhaps you'll see uh, Yodasuji come back. So there's. Whoever it'll be, it's going to be a great match, and I I fully expect Shibata to put on a clinic here. And just uh, regardless of how many times you get to see him wrestle a year or if this is a one-off, all that matters is that somehow we got Shibata back in a ring, and that is just a fucking beautiful thing. Absolutely outstanding. Please, no more headbutts. Please, God, no more headbutts. I beg you. You know Um, three are coming. Then we've got uh, the Never Open Weight Championship match. You got Tamahiro Ishii after regaining it off of Jay White in America taking on Evil. Uh, I really wish I could tell you I'm excited for this match. Ishii and Evil have locked horns before uh, five times, and usually they've got some fun bruiser matches, but uh, listen, the, the Dick Togo fuckery that, is plaguing house of torture it's just really hard to be excited but why, why is he on both nights yeah, get him out of here yeah whatever but uh i believe this is ishii's i don't know if this is like his first time on a wrestle kingdom like card as a singles champion i i don't i'm not sure but either way you love to see the stone pitbull uh you know near the top of the card uh, and then, speaking of people you love to see at the top of the card, uh, for the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Championships, you're going to have Dangerous Techers, Taichi and Zack Sabre Jr. taking on the Chaos Duo of Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi. Now, this is a particularly fun uh, match because... Yoshihashi has just been the running joke of New Japan for a long time, but ever since winning the Never Openweight Six-Man Tag Championships with uh, Goto and Ishii, Yoshihashi treated those belts like they were the most important thing in his career. In a lot of ways, they were. And and that team really helped elevate uh, those tag titles. And Yoshihashi really helped elevate himself and was one of the standouts throughout the pandemic. So... I expect this to be a really solid match. Dangerous Techers continue to look more like baby faces and uh, they're much happier to see Goto and Yoshihashi than uh, the House of Torture. So I expect this to be a very fun match and would not be surprised if you see Goto and Yoshihashi win here. Like I said, Yoshihashi really showing his metal, Uh and now also winning the World Tag League, which is what gave them this match. Uh, Goto continues his arguably Hall of Fame career, and let's see if Yoshihashi can get some belts. Good for for tacos. Then, in the uh, secondary main event, you've got the winner of the Best of Super Juniors 28, Hiromo Takahashi versus El Desperado. Uh, Their BOSJ match uh, for the finals last year was one of the best matches I've seen in a really long time. Their match this year was incredible, and this is just a... Fucking terrific rivalry. Uh, Ryan, you may recall that that finals match was when Takahashi really played the heel, ripped off Despy's mask, and Despy ripped the rest of it off himself and wrestled as himself instead of El Desperado.
1: Desperado. (laughs) Uh,
0: This is going to be an absolutely terrific match. Don't be shocked to see Hiromu win, but I'd love a signature win uh, with Desperado getting over on his longtime rival and retaining at Wrestle Kingdom, that would be terrific.
1: Maybe it'll steal the night. Sounds like it might steal the night.
0: It completely could. They have a lot to live up to with that last finals match, which was so incredible that the crowd couldn't help but uh chant when they weren't supposed to. And this absolutely has the potential to steal the night. But then, of course, the sa- the main event, which will be extremely hard to top reigning IWGP World Heavyweight Champion Shingo Takage versus Kazuchika Okada, the reigning G1 Climax winner. Not much to be said here, folks. Okada has not taken Shingo seriously really ever since Shingo showed up. Okada doesn't like outsiders. Shingo doesn't like being ignored. And expect this to be an absolute fucking slobber knocker. I highly encourage you to watch their match for the vacant heavyweight championship in June if you have not already. My prediction here, Shingo's retaining. I I get it there are people out there that want to see Okada win and then beat Osprey the next night and bring back the V4, but look, that ain't happening and Shingo has shown without beyond a shadow of a doubt he is the guy to lead the promotion right now. Uh Okada hasn't been on top in a long time, but frankly, he's the heel in all of this. He is the heel in this plot line, this storyline, and Shingo and Osprey's feud. While, you know, Okada and Osprey have a lot of history as chaos stablemates, and then, of course, Osprey turning on Okada at the G1 two years ago to join the United Empire, or uh, last G1, rather, I'm sorry. Uh, Shingo and Osprey's rivalry is legendary. And I fully expect Shingo to take this one. Let's go. Uh,
1: establish him as like fucking a main guy. It, it should be done. Like what are we going to do? Are we going to do another fucking Okada ring? Come on.
0: I think that I I have no issue with Shingo. I think I said this last time we talked about it. I've got no issue at all with Shingo dropping it in his next defense. I, I'm totally fine with that. But Shingo deserves after how hard he carried the never open weight belt and then now the world heavyweight belt, despite it being much maligned by a lot of the IWC. I believe that Shingo deserves signature victories at Wrestle Kingdom. Let You can let Okada beat him right now. I don't care. Whoever, yep. I don't care what happens after that, but I believe this is Shingo's year, and he deserves to start off the year as the undisputed top guy. That's fair. Night two, uh, we will see the triple threat IWGP Junior Tag Team Championship between Bullet Club's cutest tag team, Taji Ishimori and El Fantasmo, the current reigning champs, Robbie Eagles and Tiger Mask, And the mega coaches, Ryusuke Taguchi and Rocky Romero. Uh, This one could really go any number of ways. Ishimori and ELP have had this belt for a while over the last couple of years. Uh, The history of letting Taguchi and Rocky be the uh, 69th champs would be great. Would love to see um, the tag belts back on them. Uh, But Robbie Eagles and Tiger Mask. Tiger Mask having a real hell of a comeback in his 50s here looking really fucking crisp. So this one's a real ch- a real toss up, but it it promises to be a good one. One of the bigger star uh news here is that the second match is going to feature Stardom. Now Stardom last year were on dark matches prior to Wrestle Kingdom, but for the first time in 20 years Stardom is going to be in a new Japan ring on the main card. You're going to have Mayo Iwatani and Starlight Kid take on Tim uh, Tam Nakano and Saya Kamitani. Uh, That's
1: cool. I'm I, all for that. Stardom is awesome.
0: Yeah. You know, all the stardom matches that I have caught, the few that I have, have all been terrific. Joshi Wrestling is a lot of fun. So expect to see a really quick, uh, surprisingly intense match. Make sure to check it out. Then... You will have the KOPW 2022 four-way match. So let me correct myself. Night one will be a New Japan rumbo, a Rambo as they call it. This will be, the way it works is in that rumble, the last four remaining will be on night two in a four-way match to decide the KOPW 2022 provisional champion. So rumble night one, four-way match night two. Should be fun. Um... I I'd have no problem with Yano taking it for a third year. However, uh, it'd be interesting to see if they give it to somebody else and make it a little bit more serious than Yano has. Well, because we'll I don't
1: see him anywhere on these fucking three cards. He's
0: got to be somewhere. He's going to be in the <sighs> match for sure. Uh, right. the, the true ace of New Japan needs to be there. So then, yeah. coming up after that, the Never Openweight Six-Man Tag Championship – the Chaos Team of Goto, Yoshihashi, and Yo taking on the House of Torture, Evil, Yujiro Takahashi, and Show, the reigning champions. Boo. Uh, pulling double duty here, Goto and Yoshihashi. Would kind of be cool to see them regain the belts here off of House of Torture and also be tag champions. I would not mind that at all. See if Yo gets a pin on Show here. Um... I mean, look—you're going to see a lot of fuckery here, but there is potential for a decent match if they like actually want to wrestle. But
1: uh, we'll see about that.
0: We'll we'll see. What Dastardly we gonna... Dick. Yeah. <laughs> fuck up the match. Yeah, so that in a special <laughs> singles match, you're going to see Sonata take on the Great O'Connor. Great O'Conn, uh another standout of the pandemic era. Love everything he's been doing. Him and Sonata. We're probably going to have a. Terrific match here. Great Ocon is a surprisingly adept and agile technical wrestler. I fully expect this to be a lot of fun. And then right afterwards, in a similar vein, Tetsuya Naito taking on Jeff Cobb. A uh, little bit of history with them here, but uh, this is really just all about Jeff Cobb. Another standout United Empire has just been really a terrific faction since Yeah, those forming.
1: are uh there's two matches that are going to really establish the foundation for uh the days to come in New Japan.
0: Um I'm never angry at Tetsuya Naito getting a win on Wrestle Kingdom, but I kind of feel like this these matches should go to United Empire. I think that you want to continue establishing Great Oukan and Cobb as main event players and they have absolutely been putting in the work to be treated as such. But either way, Uh, two matches that initially look like throwaways, but don't be surprised if Naito and Cobb really put on a show here. And then the co-main events here, the semifinals and the finals, the semifinals, like we said, Hiroshi Tanahashi taking on Kento for the IWGP U.S. Heavyweight Championship. Uh, that belt really helped set a spark in Tanahashi after he won it off of Lance Archer in America. And uh Tana somehow, you know, fucking no functioning knees, but the last year he has really, really put on some fucking bangers uh, you know, between his match with Kenta, his match with Archer, with uh Shingo. I mean, he's really stepped up when he's needed to, and good for him. Uh that being said, I would expect Kenta to take this um and then go in strong for the next night, but we'll see what happens. Either way. Big match, Tana. The man's going to deliver. Don't you worry. And then finally, the main event. The winner of night one, Shingo Takage versus Kazuchika Okada versus Will Osprey. This will be to determine who is the true IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. Like I said, both of these men have a lot of history with Ospreay. Um, Osprey turning on Okada to join the United Empire after Okada took him into chaos. Uh, viewed him as a little brother very emotional there and then going over on Osprey last year in Wrestle Kingdom and of course Shingo and Osprey uh seeming like probably I would I would argue the best feud in New Japan today every single match they put on somehow is better than the last so I would love to see one more uh so all that shaking out all right let's do it real quick all right Ryan yo versus show who's taking it Let's go, yo. Agreed. We won't do that one. That's just tag matches. Shibata. Who do you think Shibata is going to face? Uh, I honestly have no idea. Um, do you think it'll be a dojo guy or do you think it'll be somebody established? We'll leave it at that. No, I think it's going to be an old school guy. Uh, oh, I, I didn't think about that. You know, it could be somebody like Satoshi Kojima or Yuji Nagata or something. Sure. I love.
1: I was just thinking Kojima.
0: That, I yeah, love Kojima. Why uh, not? All of those dudes wrestle real safe, but still, you know, work in a style that works like But yeah, that's it. That's a good one, Koji. Uh, Ishii versus Evil. Who's walking away never open way champion? Probably Evil, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm not happy to say it, but I, I kind of feel like that's what is going to happen here. Um, Goto and Yoshihashi versus Dangerous Techers for the tag champions. Who's winning? I'm going to see Techers retain. I would like to see Yoshihashi get his moment, but I love me some Techers. Uh, That being said, I love ZSJ in the main event, so I would be here for that, too. I think Techers is smart money, but this could go either way. Despi versus Takahashi. Hiromu. Probably going to be the right answer, but again, would love if Desperado got one over on Takahashi here. Uh, And Shingo versus Okada. Who's walking into night two champion? Oof.
1: My mind says Okada, but my heart is with Shingo.
0: Agreed, and I think the smart story is Shingo. You know, Okada worked hard to get himself back to the main event and be the Rainmaker, but he's walking in way too cocky, acting as if Shingo is nowhere near his level, and I feel like he's about to get humbled real hard.
1: I suppose if we got the cheesy, like, Okada wins, but he shakes uh, Shingo's hand at the end and, like, you know, okay, you were a true champion. I'm fine. I'm fine. Give me uh, the cheese.
0: <laughs> okay, so Ryan says Okada, but he's wanting Shingo. I'm gonna say Shingo. There Night you go. two, be a man. Night two, junior tag champions. Who's walking away? Robbie Eagles and Tiger Mask retaining. Taji Ishimura and El Fantasmo, or Ryusuke Taguchi and Rocky Romero.
1: Gonna go Eagles.
0: Eagles and Tiger Mask to retain would be. I've I've enjoyed watching them, and it's cool to see Tiger Mask have a reign again. But uh, I'm gonna go the Mega Coaches myself personally. Okay. Uh, I don't, I don't want to disrespect anybody and start him by acting like I know anybody here, so.
1: Who who looks the coolest here?
0: I think, isn't Mayu Iwatani like their ace? Star, Starlight,
1: yeah, Starlight Kid I've heard a lot about too. She has a badass look with the, uh, with the tiger, the tiger mask.
0: Yeah, Iwatani's the icon of stardom, so... Uh,
1: hey, okay, right, we'll go her. We'll go her. go her.
0: Fine. Who's walking away KOPW provisional champion for Toru 2022? Anu. Toru Yannou. Toru Yanu baby. Uh, I'm going to go wild card and say Aaron hanare, Give United Empire okay. something fun. Okay. His first name uh, is Aaron? Yes. <laughs> Isn't well that fun? fun to- <laughs> go Aaron. Go Aaron. Uh, okay, never open weight six-man tag championships. Chaos or Bullet Club?
1: Well, let's see. I didn't pick Bullet Club first night, so I'm going to pick Bullet Club here.
0: Well, you did pick Evil over Ishii, so... uh oh, yeah, that's true. I, but, eh. you know, they're, they're, they keep they just keep pushing House of Torture, so honestly, I I, yeah. I, I feel like...
1: Dick Togo's going to fuck something up.
0: That's probably true. And I picked
1: it's, Yo first night, so yeah. Bullet yeah, it's Club it's seems likely.
0: Right. Sonata, Great Okan. Going to go Great Okan. Agreed. Jeff Cobb, Tetsuya, Naito.
1: I'm going to go Jeff Cobb. <laughs> I think they're I going to, uh, yeah, I mean, this screams, like, coming out match.
0: Yep, absolutely, especially if Osprey loses, not that I think they're going to start wrinkling, you know, like, sowing seeds of chaos in there, but I do think that it would be an interesting wrinkle if Ocon and Cobb both win against high-level performers and Osprey doesn't get it done. But either way, I think they want to establish Cobb and Ocon as main event players, so I agree.
1: If Jeffrey Cobb works that knee, then yeah, I could see
0: him getting it. Like, you know, oh, and some, he will. Yeah, and he will. Uh, Tana and Kenta. Kenta. You gonna go Smart. Tana? Yep. No, I, I'm, I'm gonna go Kenta. I think so. I think this will be a good match, but I think Kenta's gonna win out here, and I think he should. Plus, he lives in Florida. He can show up in New Japan strong. So, agreed. And finally, all right. So you're expecting Okada versus Osprey. So if that is the case. Who Shit, do you expect man. to walk Shit. out as champion? Woo.
1: Damn.
0: I'll tell you uh, this. Let's go Osprey.
1: Fuck it.
0: I, I think because if it's like, o-
1: all right. It, it, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Oka- you have another reign from Okada. And yeah, sure. You can put the belt on him anytime, right?
0: hmm
1: How long was that last? You know, what storylines do you get out of it?
0: a few you know you got Ibushi coming back would probably be his first challenger but uh i see what you're getting at here what's the more interesting story okada returning to continue being the ace or osprey showing that he was always the true champion and and you know being like a huge gaijin champion that's and I, know, I, it's fair. I
1: know i know you're sick of me saying this but fucking this would be perfect for a triple threat it just really would you know just it, <laughs> it's not like it's not like me fucking throwing people together like oh triple threat like you literally did a perfect storyline for a triple threat that's all i'm gonna say
0: no i yeah i you know and and they're they're not super big on triple threats and honestly that's fine they do they can get messy and hard to book but uh i feel like if it's okada osprey i see okada winning out and then have abushi come back out to you know pump the crowd back up show he's okay uh, and, you know, like you said, Okada can be put back at the top literally whenever. So whenever he has a title shot, I don't really feel like there's ever a bad time for him to be champion. Like, he'll always be a fucking great champion. I just feel personally that this is Shingo's year. So in my opinion, when you get Shingo Ospreay, you're going to get Shingo uh, getting his win back over Osprey and closing out as the undisputed world heavyweight champion and solidifying that Shingo Takagi uh is the best in New Japan right now.
1: So let me ask you this. So if you have you're taking Shingo. Yes. God damn, I would have to take Shingo over Osprey, dude. That would be fucking yeah. that'd be some that'd be like some Daniel Bryan shit. You well, and I mean? after
0: their last couple of matches, like they somehow just keep upping the ante. So Especially the big news here is that so unless they change the rules because of the, you know, variant going through Japan, New Japan. So Japan has announced that you can make noise at shows if you agree to have capacity. So the question becomes, will New Japan go full capacity because they just they need those huge gates and they need the dome filled? Or do they want to make sure that they grow uh, subscriptions to New Japan World and ensure that Wrestle Kingdom feels like Wrestle Kingdom and allow the crowd to make noise. Uh, uh, that'll be would, the big they one. They
1: are down at their lowest cases. It's kind of like weird. It's a it's a real inverse from us. Mm-hmm. Um, they seem a little more responsible. I think they'll have more people in there. Full capacity is going to be hard to say. Uh, but yeah, you know, I mean... Straight disrespect on from Shingo from two angles. So if you want to look at it that way,
0: yeah, uh, I'm I'm rooting for crowd noise. I want half capacity. Give me the fucking gonna, raucous I mean, like, crowd. Do,
1: they do? do if, if people make noise? They're gonna kick them out. I mean, no, <laughs> no, no, no. Like
0: it, and it's happened in other matches. But um, Japan has New Japan. You know, Japan in general has had no noise for the last two years. And what better way to kick off the 50th anniversary of New Japan? night two of its biggest event by you know night one and night two by going fuck it half capacity go fucking wild.
1: I I think people are taking an unmitigated risk. And it's kinda of like an unspoken thing. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think, you know, if one thing leads to another they're just gonna be like, okay, well, we we understand. You
0: no, know, whatever. What are we gonna do? Yeah. Yep. And just deal with the fines afterwards. Yeah. Uh so finally finally, 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 uh night three New Japan versus Noah. All right. Um, now, I only know so much about uh, Noah. I have been doing a lot of research, and and so I, you know, I, I, this will not be like a full-on. I'm just going to give you the matches. I'm going to tell you what I can tell you. All right. So the pre-show match, you're going to get uh, Tenkozi, Hi- Hiroshi Tenzan, and Satoshi Kojima teaming up with Yuji Nagata versus Muhammad Yone, King Tani and Saito Akatoshi. Best
1: look in wrestling, by the way. What? Muhammad Yone.
0: Muhammad Yona, what's his thing?
1: A best Looking Wrestling.
0: <laughs> oh, best looking. Okay. Then another pre show match. You're going to get Kosei Fujita versus uh, Yasutaka Yano. Uh, that is, uh, Kosei Fujita is one of the new uh, young lions, and Yasutaka Yano is the equivalent of that in Noah. So that's basically a young lion.
1: Also, match. Wikipedia, fucking get a new get a new goddamn profile picture for Nujin Nagata.
0: <laughs> you see this thing,
1: man? It's like from a 1993 VHS tape. <laughs>
0: is it hold on let me let me take let me check this out oh that (laughs) that that is shit it's like a decade old yeah that's not the best picture you could have you could have picked for uh (laughs) (laughs) yeah no okay i got it uh so then you're going to have the return of one of the junior aces of mid Otts noah Taji Ishimori teaming up with Gato versus Hayata and Seiki Yoshioka. Like I said, don't really know about their, their companions, but Ishimori, one of the junior aces uh, when he was with Noah, so that'll be his homecoming. Then you're gonna get Tamahiro Ishii, Hiroki Goto, Yoshihashi, Ryusuke Taguchi, and Master Wato versus Daisuke Haru- Harada, Hajime Ohara, Daiki Inabe, Yoshiki Inimura and Kinyo Okada.
1: I'm a Wato man. <laughs> do, do,
0: do, 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 do. I like Wato. He's put on some weight. I, I like his, you know, he's, he's got good stuff. Anyway, I, I can't tell you that much about this, but I'm going to assume it's probably going to be a bunch of hosses. An interesting one that I can tell you about here is so Zack Sabre Jr. tagging, not with Taichi, but with Yoshinobu Kanemaru versus Naomichi Michi Marafuji and Ogawa Yoshinari. So what this Back is boy. here, what this is here is Kanemaru, uh, another one of the junior aces of Noah. Uh, him and Marafuji have a ton of history as they were in the same division together and Marafuji along with Kenta being the the pillars of Noah in that era. Junior, my man's like 50 years old. But junior weight class, baby. Junior weight class. All right. All right. And, and Zack Sabre Jr., when Suzuki-gun was in Noah, was teaming with Ogawa. So, so Zach, one of the few New Japan wrestlers not from Noah that actually has some experience with them so basically what this is is marafuji and kanemaru going at it one last time zsj going against his old noah tag partner so this this should be a very fun match then you're gonna get some fucking old man muscle here in a shocker you're gonna get taichi minoru suzuki and taka michinoku versus takashi segura kazushi sakuraba and kenta so in an Absolute shocker, Kenta wrestling not for New Japan, but for Noah in an Mm. honest-to-God homecoming. Yeah, that's where he's from. Listen, of of anybody on the New Japan roster, with due respect to Ishimori and Kanemaru, Kenta is Noah. Kenta and Marafuji, along with the Pillars um, and Go Shiozaki, really made Noah and put them on the map. So, uh. Also, I believe Kenta and Segura used to be in the same faction together along, and, and the reason he's teaming with Sakuraba as well as Segura and Sakuraba currently in the same faction. So this is suzuki Goon versus Noah, and that's, that's going to be a lot of fun. Then you're going to get... This is the real fucking God kick in the dick. damn it. D- this is the real kick in the dick here, is <laughs> kick in the dick Togo and evil.
1: Three nights...
0: Versus Masakita. No. <laughs> well, not only, but versus and Goshiozaki. The ace of Noah, who by this point may very well again be GHC champion, and go does not face Okada, does not face Shingo, does not face Naito, but instead faces evil and Dick Togo. I got nothing for you here other than please God let go Shiozaki kick the ever loving shit out of Dick fucking- Togo.
1: Go Shiozaki's look man that jacket uh, is
0: fucking He's badass. very much like the Okada equivalent um but again Go has been one of the true homegrown stars of Noah uh, a protege of Kenta Kobashi the man's about chops and beating the ever loving shit out of you he's true King's Road style just what we like uh, so hopefully he goes over one of the the second and o- other, only other singles match Show versus Atsushi Katogi Again, I don't know too much there, but, uh, you know, hopefully show actually wrestles. Then the two big ones, Shingo Takage, Tetsuya Naito, Sanada, Hiromu Takahashi, and Bushi versus Katsuhiko Nakajima, Keno, Mano- Manubu, Jesus Christ, I'm saying too many names at once. <laughs> Manabu Soya, Tadasuke, and Alea. The big one here, you got Shingo versus Nakajima. Two, uh, arguably the two best wrestlers on this planet, are going to go head to head. Sucks it's in a ten man, but this match is going to be a whole lot of fucking fun. Expect to see some great shit out of Keno, probably against Naito and Sonata. This is this is going to be a banger. And finally, Nakajima looks
1: like uh, Kenny Omega's Japanese cousin.
0: I feel like he. So Nakajima for so obviously these are a lot of names people don't know, but like the big ones in Noah running the table right now. Go Shiozaki, Keno, Nakajima, Marafuji. Uh, Nakajima has had multiple five-star matches against Go, Shiozaki, and Keno, including a couple of time limit draws. He is their current GHC champion and will be taking on Go Shiozaki in their big, uh, I think it's January 1st or January 2nd, uh, card. So um, if for anybody that's looking to check out Noah, right, obviously go back watch some of the old Kenta Fuji matches, go back and watch Kenta Kobashi's first reign, taking on people like Takayama, taking on people like Yuji Nagata, taking on people like Masawa, just absolutely incredible stuff. Uh, Goshi Ozaki, watch his match versus Nakajima, watch his match versus Keno, watch Nakajima's match versus Keno. Um, that's who I would tell you to like, go check out and, uh, there's a great tag match featuring Kenta teaming up with uh, Kota Ibushi. I'm sorry. Uh, Kenta teaming up with Taji Ishimori versus Marufuji and uh, Kota Ibushi, which is a fucking terrific match. And then finally, the last one here is going to be Kazuchiko Okada and Hiroshi Tanahashi, the eternal rivals, taking on Kaito Kiyomiya and Keiji Muto. Keiji Muto at 62 years old. Beat- Fuck, the great Muda? Gray Muda. Well, KG Holy Mudo. Shit. KG and 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 KG Mudo was actually GHC champion only but a a, f- a few short months ago when he shockingly defeated Go Ozaki and became only the third or fourth person to ever hold the Triple Crown AJPW heavyweight championship, the IWGP heavyweight championship and the GHC championship. I think it's only one of 3 because it's him uh yuji nagata i believe and takiyama i'm sorry not not yuji nagata uh satoshi kojima
1: has he retired the great muda character
0: he doesn't really do it yeah and look
1: he's like transcended the character
0: look his knees are fucking shot he he really he really can't (laughs) but but he's still a huge deal in japan so and and of course the big story here is hiroshi tanahashi one of his biggest early matches in his career was against keiji Mudo, beating him uh, he was a protege of Mudo. So that's the big story there. And Kaito Kiyomiya, very much similar to Okada in that at just 25 years old, he was one of the youngest champions, possibly the youngest GHC champion ever, uh, had a little bit of a down year in 2021, but a shit ton of talent, uh, Kaito and Goshiozaki's match in 2020 was one of the highest rated of the year. So that would be what I would tell you to check out for him. Whew. A lot of names, Ryan. I think I did pretty good, though, huh? You did you did pretty damn good. <laughs> Better than fucking, I would. Only took 45 fucking minutes to get through all of this. Jesus Christ. Oh, okay. yeah. Baby. Well, anyway, that is your Wrestle Kingdom preview. Uh, a little disappointing to not see a couple of singles matches. I would have loved to see Okada versus um, Go. I would have loved to see Nakajima versus Shingo. But ultimately i get why they're doing it it's hard to book those matches and hopefully more importantly this just signals that we will be seeing increased cooperation between these two as we go into new japan's 50th year uh by the next time you hear from us we will probably have already watched night one unless we decide to wait until all three nights or first two nights are done and record after we'll figure it out but either way uh there there it is there's there's your rundown I am exhausted, Ryan. My goodness. And you know why I'm exhausted? Because I almost went 60 minutes talking about this. Do you know who else went 60 minutes recently? Uh, Dick Togo. That's right. Dick Togo had had a 60 minute classic with uh, himself. <laughs> himself. <laughs> with Gato for Ped Booker. Jesus
1: Christ. Yeah, he wishes.
0: Now, our transition here for the other thing i wanted to talk about a little bit here is so we had winter is coming happen in aew last week and we had the longest match in aew's short history and an absolute instant classic between hangman adam page versus the american dragon brian danielson uh this was a perfectly built feud very simple and elegant uh, Hangman is the most over person in AEW. Out, you know, even more so than CM Punk, even more so than Adam Cole. Uh, and in his first defense, goes against the American Dragon after Brian Danielson defeats Miro at Full Gear to become number one contender. And Very quickly, the crowd boos him, and you know Brian Danielson. If you want to boo the man, he'll give you a reason to boo him. Fickle, fickle, and fickle fans created an absolute. Beast of a dragon uh, tears through all of the dark order, kicks poor Colcabana's teeth out, beats everybody's heads in and leads you to this hangman's first offense after his match against Kenny Omega at full gear. And they go the distance 60 minutes. Uh, Brian Danielson dominated much of this match, just punishing hangman, busting him open. Uh, But hangman took everything that he had and then some, And very similar to the finish between Kazuchika Okada and Kenny Omega in their second IWGP Heavyweight Championship match where uh, Kenny hits the one-winged angel and covers Okada Okada, grabs the ropes, Okada hits the Rainmaker, tries to hit the Rainmaker rather, Omega collapses and the time limit goes off before anybody can finish the match. Same thing's happens here at the after this grueling match that you got on free TV by the way and you know look is it annoying that you had four fairly long TV commercial breaks yes it is but at the end of the day you got 60 minutes of absolutely incredible wrestling on national TV I can't even tell you the last time that happened on American TV and the big story here is that no matter what Brian Danielson took hangman showed that he is the toughest son of a bitch in AEW but also he couldn't put away Brian Danielson, so he still got some demons to beat back. So, Ryan, before I go into what, uh, you know, the main reason we're talking about this, what were your thoughts as this match unraveled? Like, where are you with this? Because we haven't really spoken about it.
1: Well, it was spoiled for me as I waited for a COVID test, so that was one. <laughs> thank you, Tony thank, Khan. Thank you, Tony. I don't know what, uh, what soluble, uh, business decision is to fucking... Post every minute of your show to Instagram, but what do I know?
0: Yeah, you can uh, at least like wait a few minutes.
1: <laughs> I couldn't see any scenario where Hangman lost his title defense in the opener. absolutely
0: not, absolutely not.
1: But I could see him lose to Daniel Bryan. <laughs>
0: um,
1: I honestly didn't expect a draw. I really didn't. Well, let me um, ask you.
0: I'll ask you two. Qu- so, so first off the match as a whole like taking yeah. the ending out for 2 seconds right the match as a whole what what did you think about the match like the action in the ring itself well
1: importantly i think it was important for AEW to uh really transcend the heavyweight title and jesus christ did they really make this match that belt feel like the most prestigious prize in wrestling
0: yes absolutely
1: um honestly
0: fucking bang up job in regards to that uh, and then of course the second part right the ending where were you where were you immediately after the ending and where do you find yourself now with some time
1: I'm fine with it absolutely
0: were you fine with it when it first happened or were you like uh, no, I, don't know no I,
1: I was completely satisfied I said okay no listen you can't cop out yes yeah I'll call it a cop out Free TV, come on. But at the same time, like, okay. Like, for Hangman's case. Like, Daniel Bryan could do whatever, honestly. AEW doesn't really make a difference to me. I didn't expect him to be at this level. I think Moxley, taking some time to himself, elevated him to do that. And rightfully so, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, it could have been... Like, you know where I'm coming from on that? Like, Daniel Bryan could have debuted at All Out and then, like, kind of been sat on for a year and kind of cool off. So, this is... I am I definitely don't take me the wrong way here. Uh, Moxley taking time off for rehab isn't, you know, I'm not saying it was the best thing to ever happen, but I'm saying we had this discussion before of things that just happened as a result of another thing happening. In wrestling. Right.
0: There was there was a space to fill. And of course, Brian Danielson was going to get treated as a big deal, but rightfully so they've immediately made him feel like a marquee name absolutely yeah yeah
1: i love it man and honestly you know we we talked about the uh the comparisons to hangman and uh circuit 1996 stone cold um mm-hmm. daniel bryan being we compared him uh two weeks ago to bret hart and you got your little double turn here so you know it, it, it works out it really does i'm really happy for it um it delivered. It, there, there wasn't a scenario where I was disappointed by the match, if that's what you're asking.
0: Yeah, and, and so that's kind of what brings me to the larger point of why we're, we're focusing on this. You know, the rest of the card really had no shot of trying to live up to that match. However, you got to give props to uh, Hikaru Shida and uh, Serena Deeb for putting on yet another terrific show. Uh, their feud has been one of the more engaging ones in the women's division, and uh, you know Dante Martin continuing to show how he's another pillar for AEW's very bright future, having a a really solid match with MJF for the uh, Dynamite Diamond Ring. But uh, the reason that we harp on this specifically is so I walked away feeling largely the same as you. Uh, the, I couldn't believe that we were getting this on television you know that that had every bit the make and feel and presentation of a fucking absolute banger of a main event at one of their pay-per-views you know one of the marquee events and instead they made this event winter is coming they made it feel as you know they had a lot to live up at last year you had kenny omega finally becoming AEW champion after cheating john moxley out of it and of course you had the debut of sting so a lot to live up to but Clearly, AEW views this as one of the most important events of the year for them to close out, and this was a hell of a way to do so. Match absolutely delivered. This is Hangman's longest match, nearly doubles the length of any other match he had. Uh, The Young Bucks match with him and Omega versus the Young Bucks for the Tag Championships was like 30-something minutes. So by far the longest match he's ever had. Brian Danielson, it's just incredible how subtly he has to shift his character to become face, heel, tweener, whatever he wants to do. Like Brian Danielson goes from, you know, Brian Danielson, American Dragon, circa two thousand five, being a a really compelling in-ring performer, but somebody that you weren't quite sure about as a as a you know, guy on the microphone or, you know, as a character. Uh his time in WWE as Daniel Bryan really solidified him as one of the best on the mic and in general. And, and this is just proof positive, you know? Uh, he's oh, truly I'm, he's
1: truly a man for, oh, I'm sorry.
0: No, yeah, no, that, uh, you know, just, uh, oh, I'm getting booed. I'm getting booed because it's Hangman. Okay. And it's it's so simple. He's the exact same character as he showed up. He's the exact same character. He's just a fucking asshole about it.
1: And yeah, even when like he the, first showed this is up,
0: slightly the nth degree to the left, you know, like I mean? like he said against Kenny Omega, "You're just not on my level." And we took that as a face thing because he was against Kenny Omega as the Mega heel. But realistically, like you said, just a, a teeny tiny shift is all it takes, and Hangman is instantly, you know, getting booed left, right, and center. He's doing fucking jumping jacks in the middle of the ring while Hangman's bleeding out. I mean, he just knows. How to fucking work a crowd. Going for the yes chant and just flipping off the crowd. I mean, really top-tier shit. To the ending, to the ending, my initial, initial reaction was, oh, shit, a draw? Ooh, was that the right call? But very quickly, maybe it's because I was watching a lot of Noah and, you know, AJPW stuff where there have been a lot of draws. Uh, You know, it didn't take long for me to be like, no, you know what? I get the story they're telling here, and I'm fine with this. Which leads me to the you know main crux of why we're talking so much in depth about it. Ryan, what's the last... So, excluding like Okada and Omega, let's say growing up, what's the last time limit draw you can recall in American wrestling?
1: Hasn't been much from my childhood. Not many.
0: Not many stick out to you, right? I'm, I'm, of course, there have been some uh, Rick Ware versus
1: Sting, uh, NWA Clash of Champions. That's a good one.
0: Okay. Yep.
1: Uh, we were at another one Ken, Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson, the 30 minutes, if you yes. want to count it. But also, no. that, that one did not strike me as this one did. Yes, it was an extra 30 minutes, but like, as we said before, it only really picked up in the last 10 minutes. Agreed. Am I am I? uh
0: What the the oh the Kenny match or this well, it really
1: one really ramped itself up in the last 10 minutes is what I'm saying.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like this match, they really were feeling each other out and then it ramped up and he gets busted up. And yeah, it, it ramps up a lot at the end. And the timing was so fucking perfect. He hits that buckshot. 2 seconds before the bell went off it was really really well timed mm-hmm. by them. But that's so that's my point right is is you can't recall a ton of time limit finishes in our lifetime in America.
1: I want to give a uh, shout out to two specifically though before we continue. Uh, I wonder
0: if they're the two I'm thinking of.
1: and Owen Hart versus Steiner Brothers. Okay. Random random gem from uh, the WWE network. Only time these guys faced off, and it ended in a draw. And it led to, very importantly, Owen versus Brett at WrestleMania 10. In is 90, that the steel
0: cage match?
1: Uh, no, that is the, uh, the famous match with the train wrestling. Mm-hmm. And when Owen's stomping on Brett's head, and Brett goes, right, no, right. no. Also, I want to give a shout out to, I, I mentioned this a couple times, because I, I love this story. Ric Flair versus Jack Fineno. Uh Ric Flair, many times when he was NWA champion, he used to go to different countries and would fight the country's quote unquote best wrestler, always pretty much ended in Ric Flair winning. This one ended in a draw because Ric Flair was afraid of dying from the Dominican crowd. <laughs> yes. So he he pretty much agreed to before there was approaching like 60 minutes or 45 minutes, I think, because NWA, that's their time limit. Um Pretty much told Jack Veneno, listen, bro, like, I'm going to get this win, but I'll let you have this because I don't want to die. And Jack was like, okay. And it's great. Yeah. Uh, officially, unofficially recognized as the man who defeated Ric Flair on his uh, illustrious NWA title run.
0: Right. And NWA never recognized it.
1: Also, I did not realize, uh, told to me by a coworker from the Dominican Republic, this is a Christmas tradition in the Dominican Republic to watch this
0: match. Oh yes, we've spoken about this before. So, yeah. so, and when you look at the internet's reaction to this match, you had a. I mean, look, we're not. I'm not going to paint the millions of wrestling fans with the same brush, right? But you're you're in two very distinct categories. You're either, you know, basically of me and Ryan's persuasion of like, look, that was a great match and we get why we did that. And that, you know, that's that really doesn't bother us versus this fucking bullshit. Why? the? Why is AEW pretending they don't do fuck finishes? And then they do this yeah. fucking hour long. What was the point? Why isn't there a winner? It makes Hangman look weak. And I'm glad that you brought up Ric Flair because what we're getting at here is 60 minute draws, 60 minutes specifically draws are absolutely nothing new in wrestling. But if you've only been a fan for the last 20 30 years and you know you didn't watch a lot of anything before, you know, the mid 80s or so, you're not going to remember that many that have happened. Uh, you know, because Japan Japan does them all the all fucking the time, time. Like yeah. I said, l- literally in the last 3 in the last 2 years, you had three Noah matches, Goshiyazaki um Versus Keno, Nakajima versus Keno, and uh, another one that that is me at the moment, all ending in 60-minute time limit draws. Uh, they were, you know, champion versus champion matches, but still. And then in the early, uh, in the mid-80s and 90s, uh, the Pillars were doing them left, right, and center. Kenta Kobashi, Misawa, Kawada, Kira all of them, they were doing his left, right, and center. So there's um, really
1: two schools of thought here, right? Mm-hmm. This. See, draws scream, Vince hates this. Right? You know, I can never see Vince McMahon doing a draw. In fact, God damn it. When was the last of uh, the fucking Hart brothers versus Steiner brothers? Yeah, match? They,
0: they, I, I'm sure there have been like, yeah, I, I'm sure there have been like other time limit draws, but nothing that I can immediately remember.
1: Um, well, his version, I think, would be an Iron Man match.
0: Ex- yeah. Yeah. Which, an Iron Man match or like a two out of three falls, maybe. Yeah.
1: Um, plus, uh, you know, people don't, Americans don't have the fucking, they barely had the attention span for this one. Uh, I don't think, it's hard to pull it off, honestly.
0: And, and you know, but but to, that's, that's what's so interesting, right? Is you're definitely right. A lot of people these days don't, it's not, you know, it's not even necessarily like, oh, fucking younger people don't have the time. For, but wrestling has changed a lot. But American crowds at one point had time for this left, right and center. Of course. Um,
1: I think back to the going, days of, uh, like Bruno San Martino. I'm sure a well, lot exactly
0: of those- you, you mentioned Ric Flair, right? The NWA, the territories. So going 60 minutes, that's known as a Broadway. You're, you, you're going to Broadway or you went to Broadway, right? It's a Broadway match. That would happen a lot in the NWA specifically with dudes like Ric Flair, like Harley race, Um, like the great champions of old where you would have the NWA champion travel to a territory to go take on somebody's champion, but you don't, you don't want anybody to lose. You want to build up that territory's champion as a huge deal while still keeping the prestige of the NWA champion as being the best in the business. Right? So that was extremely prevalent prior to 1980. Um, Rick Flair did it all the time, Uh, but when you look at the list of like you know the longest matches in wrestling or like longest draws, you know Bob Backlund comes up all over the place. Uh, The Von Erics come up all over the place. Harley, Harley, yep, yeah, Rick Flair. They all all of those dudes were doing this shit left, right, and center. And like I said, in Japan, we're still doing this to this day. Omega and Kazuchika Okada just did one not that long ago, but. The Pillars, Antonio Inoki. Kojima, Nagata, all of these folks were—they've been doing this forever. It Where seems it, like really, a
1: time-honored tradition in Japan, as opposed to like what's the average fucking length of a WWE match? Eighteen minutes, if you're yeah, lucky. Probably, so, I mean, yeah. I,
0: you're, and that's probably like if you aggregate over the last thirty years, because realistically, I feel like the the average WWE match length right now has to be like twelve minutes. It, it can't be that long. Yeah. But like you said, it's a, a little—it's a time-honored tradition in Japan, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that. The most prominent promotions doing it, who did it and who still do it, was AJPW and Pro Wrestling Noah. And the reason for that, as we've spoken about quite a few times before, is Giant Baba, you know, the founder of All Japan Pro Wrestling, took most of his cues from the NWA, from Southern Territory Wrestling. Mm -hmm. So not only did he have people like Backlund and Stan Henson and Harley Race over all the time, but... Uh, the Von Eriks, but, but this is where Baba took most of his inspiration. Whereas Inoki focused more on like martial arts and strong style, right? And that's where King's Road and strong style develop as, as unique Piro styles. So all Japan has been doing this since the eighties. And then pro wrestling Noah, as we documented in our profile on Mitsuhara Misawa, you know, Misawa started Noah in 2000 after disputes, uh, over the future of AJPW, uh, with baba's widow and namely the big things were like uh, baba never really had that much interest in junior heavyweights uh, as well as some other booking styles where masawa felt that that was important so when noah was created that's why there was so much emphasis on people like marifuji and go and kenta and ishimori and kanamaru but you saw the same thing because you know the first fucking two of three champions in Noah was Misawa and Kenta Kabashi and Kenta Kabashi had a 728 day reign where you were watching in the two thousands, a perfect combination of NWA territory style wrestling with more modern work rate. And it, cre- and it, cre- it's why Noah, the, that era of Noah is so highly regarded and why people still consider Noah to be perhaps the best wrestling in the world. So, and it's not like I knew all of this off the top of my head, but you know, over the last two, three years, I've been watching so much, you know, older Japanese matches that it didn't strike me as anything. And like you said, you have long been a fan of the territory days and have seen plenty of Harley and Rick and the Von Erich, So again, to you, Sure, is it uncommon? Yes. But it doesn't, it's not like, whoa, what are you doing? That's like, why would you do that? And, you know, two of the most well known 60 minute draws in the history of wrestling were the classic matches between Samoa Joe and CM Punk in Ring of Honor. Uh, they had two different matches for the Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Championship, both of which went to time limit draws. And then a year later, CM Punk did the same thing against Christopher Daniels. Um, Brian Danielson in 2006 did one against Cole Cabana. So like it makes sense that it was Brian Danielson and it makes sense that it was Hangman Adam Page oh, being absolutely, yeah. uh, a protege of Kenny Omega. But it just it is so interesting to see that divide um, because the big what it really boils down to is should you consider a draw a fuck finish? And to me, the answer is not unless you don't have a reason for why you would do a draw. Right. If this was like Hangman Adam Page versus like I don't know Andrade with like very little lead up, then sure, you're perfectly within your rights to be like, why? Why is this what you needed to do?
1: I think a good example would be CM Punk versus MJF. If that if that ended in a draw, it's like why? You know that doesn't really make sense. Yes,
0: yeah, so who who benefits from this? Because that's the only reason you do a draw is if you're trying to prolong a story and you're trying to get people over. It's it, but. A common phrase that you see on the internet is "Don't put two people in a match if you don't know who you want to go if neither of them can afford a loss." Yeah,
1: that sounds like an. That sounds like a. Uh, I hear I, like I, I hear JR or Corny's voice saying that. Like you know what I mean? That <laughs> seems like a very like that's a that's like a Jerry Jarrett rule from like the seventies. Like you know what I mean?
0: But yes, also absolutely. we talked about
1: how AEW instills itself like these time honored traditions that were forgotten by WWE over the years, right? Mm-hmm. Um. It's okay to do a draw. Now, if I'm Tony, I don't do another draw for like another fucking two years at least.
0: Yeah, you're not doing another 60 minute draw. And definitely Brian Danielson do- has already had two.
1: Right. Like, let, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Good point. But
0: they, but both of those draws make sense and they are really good ways to protect. This is a situation where, you know, yeah, you can't have Hangman lose. You could have him, Brian Danielson lose, but. Um. this becomes a huge point of Adam Page's lore. This be, th- Because really what they're trying to do is they've established Hangman as being organically over, and he beats his demons. But they're thinking about the long-term here. They're thinking about Adam Page as a long-term star, as the top guy in AEW. And this is how you get somebody like that over. You have him go the distance against arguably... The greatest wrestler of his generation in Brian Danielson. You have Brian Danielson rip through Hangman Adam Page's entire friend group, his entire faction, but he can't put down Hangman. Brian Danielson is not getting that title shot again soon, but when he does, this is how you build a feud like Okada Omega. This is how you build a rivalry like Samoa Joe and CM Punk, like AJ Styles and Christopher Daniels. This is how you build superstars is you give them matches like this and you trust the performers to tell the right story. And there is nobody right now in wrestling that you would trust to build an in-ring story more than Brian Danielson and no one that you would trust more to build a heartfelt connection to an audience than Adam page. So to me, this makes sense. And it is fascinating that AEW really does continue to lean heavily into acknowledging that they are the work rate promotion they are nxt now they are the you know successors to ring of honor and tna and all that but very much rooted in that wcw southern wrestling style that is that is really my big takeaway from this would you agree
1: oh absolutely
0: yeah um also in doing my research for this what i realized is three things so what would you guess is the longest wrestling match that was ever held? Jesus. How long? You don't have to guess like who, but how long do you think it would be?
1: How we going back to like circus days?
0: Uh this match. So th- the I'd one say that like co-
1: hour, hour thirty.
0: Hour thirty. Okay. So this record was set in twenty twenty one. So this is a brand new record. Okay. All right. Uh it happened in Japan. It happened in Ahime Pro Wrestling on November 21st, 2021. Have you heard of them? Nope. It was contested by Rising Hayato, Bunjin Palp, Oni Omari, Imabari Tao Mascars, and Maple Grizzly against Kurashima. Ishizuchi, Sentaro, Koshi Char, and J- Jakoten Kid.
1: Oh, of course, Jakoten Kid.
0: And it was 21 hours, 44 minutes, Jesus and 34 Christ. seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 21 hours. Is there a list
1: with like the last major promotion? So, so it's not would be 60, right? There's nobody yeah, who has. No, so,
0: no, there are. There are some that go past it. Like the Okada Omega match, like their third title match. I don't know. How, I'm trying to see if I can find exactly how long that actually was. But like, oh, there you go. That was 64 minutes. But the longest matches that you can currently find in the uh, internet wrestling database, the longest was the Smash Infinity Gauntlet for ALS, which was hosted by Chris Hero in 2015. So he had like a gauntlet where he just faced a shit ton of people. He faced uh, some notable people were Rich Swan, Jason Kincaid. Uh, who else is on this list? It would basically be like that. But his, one of his matches with Rich Swan went 190 minutes and ended in a draw. Wow, okay. Cool. So over three hours then the other like 3 of note antonio noki versus masasaito that was an island death match in ni- 1987 that went an hour 25 minutes and 42 mi- uh, seconds noki won that recently you had jordan oliver versus tony deppen for the uh, synergy wrestling championship match and an iron man match that was 2 hours long Chris Hero had a 92 minute match versus CM Punk. And then in the 60s, uh, the Von Brauners took on Dory Funk Jr. and Senior. uh, And that was 95 minutes. So cool. Yeah. You know, you you, kind of the people you'd expect to see on there. But interestingly, um, somebody modern who does uh, quite a few longer matches, um, Wheeler Yuta. Still, current IWTV champion and current best friend on AEW, his match against Lee Moriarty, which I had shouted out a few months ago as being one of the best indie matches I've ever seen, that was like just shy of an hour, and mm-hmm. he also had a draw against. Um, I'll find who it was here. Where where are you, Wheeler? Where are you, Wheeler? Uh, he had another hour long draw against uh daniel garcia who also has like been a breakout star of 2021 um so yeah anyway uh i just it was just like a little interesting thing that i thought um was worth talking about because it's been a little bit since we delved into the history books there and this was the type of match that felt like okay let's look at some historical comparisons and see like where the outrage is coming from and uh
1: yeah no definitely interesting um the greatest instance of a draw i've ever seen was the second kenny omega okada match yeah I, just you know incredible I mean, right i mean the feud was hot as fuck i mean god seriously like that time of wrestling was so good it, yeah you 2017
0: I mean? new japan was absolutely fucking incredible. it was the
1: hottest damn thing ever I watched,
0: okada's okada's two-year reign kenny's you know? chase for the belt yeah and i
1: don't think anybody predicted that second match I'd be Let hard, alone the fucking third or fourth to go on a draw,
0: <laughs> uh, and and also interesting is that they then go on to do a two out of three falls match, which was like early wrestling in the fifties and sixties and seventies. Yeah. They did two out of three falls matches, like that was the expected. Like if Luthez or you know Vern Gagne or Hacken Schmidt was having a title match, it was going to be a two out of three falls match. Yeah,
1: so. we're we're really gonna we're gonna cherish that feud for a long time.
0: Yeah, and if ever there comes a day where Kenny comes back healthy and you hear the rainmakers, you hear the coin drops, uh, yep. I think I, I would like to see one more, but if it doesn't matter if they do or don't. It already is one of the greatest feuds in history. But uh, I'm really excited to see where Hangman's reign goes from here. I'm really looking forward to him and Brian Danison con- uh, continuing this feud. I assume MJF will probably be next on Hangman's list, but we'll see what happens. But either way... I thought it was an absolutely phenomenal start to his title reign and uh you know props to AEW for just you know continuing to build him the way that they should so bravo. Yeah,
1: let's see where it goes from here. I'm very excited, honestly.
0: Um I don't really think there's, you know, any uh, Ring of Honor is now, you know, done until April final battle happened. Um nothing really huge happening anywhere else, you know, nothing massive in WWE that I feel like warrants any particular discussion. Um
1: no, I think pretty much from here, you're going to look forward to, um, you know, the Royal Rumble build up. Not, not There's going to be a pay-per-view on New Year's Day, I think, for WWE. Day so one, yeah, there. they're trying
0: to establish that as, like, a... And then, yeah,
1: which they should just call it a New Year's revolution, like the one from, <laughs> uh, years ago.
0: And then Impact, you know, they've got Hard to Kill coming on January 8th, where they're going to be running, uh, C versus Moose versus Matt Cardona for the, uh... Impact championship and you know, they're still trudging along doing their thing. Josh yep. Alexander's gonna be nipping at the heels, so that'll be fun.
1: And then Royal Rumble will be coming up and that should be uh that should be fun. It's
0: not even till April, right? Isn't that April usually? Rumble. Yeah. Is that oh no, I'm sorry, Mania is April, am I saying? Rumble's January. Yep. Yeah, so so you know, well. And next then, time we'll, uh
1: in terms of AEW, I mean I don't I, I don't picture them they might have uh <laughs> like bash at the beach i think was kind of like a post new year's day thing they might do, they're probably they might do another like optimized wednesday dynamite show
0: the but big then, news that you're really waiting for with them is revolution. is johnny gargano and kyle o'reilly going to show up and oh, then yeah, yeah revolution that's a good point i, revolution I, I would February. not expect
1: gargano to at
0: least revolution yeah but kyle o'reilly i could definitely oh, see yeah, him no, that's, showing that's, up i feel like that's imminent
1: imminent yeah um, I mean, look, regard, Gargano's definitely taking time off for his kid, who's going to be married. As he absolutely
0: should, and Johnny put right. NXT on his back for the last five years, so, you know, take the fucking time you need. I guess the only really noteworthy thing is Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Well, I think Sami Zayn isn't confirmed, yet, yeah, but Kevin Owens re-signed with WWE. Only notable in that uh, the internet became convinced that Kevin Owens was... 100% absolutely going to leave WWE and start Mount Rushmore again, even though Kevin Owens has been one of the most consistently popular and booked WWE stars on the roster and uh, he seems perfectly happy and he cares more about his family than your stupid fantasy booking. Uh, yeah, he's like, he's like, nah, I love WWE. I'm good. San- same thing with Sammy. Would it be cool to see Kevin Steen and, you know, Sammy come back? Sure, but, you know, don't. And I mean, l- good l- for l-
1: Kevin Owens. <laughs> You know? secure that
0: bag but listen kevin owens has been great in WWE. are there moments where they should have ran the ball with him more yeah absolutely but uh ko's been doing just fine and the only thing i you know sammy has always been great in WWE. i just i i really hope there's one more baby face run in it for him but yeah outside of that um i see no reason why they would leave you know your fantasy booking is stupid we, we say this all the time your fantasy booking is stupid and real life doesn't care about it. So,
1: Also, like we said, like fucking WWE can't be depleted of everybody. Yeah, as, much as, like you, you d- as much as you hate WWE.
0: You also like can't, you can't fucking send everyone to AEW and then, you know, complain about it. Um, why don't they focus on fucking booking more women's matches and then we can talk about Kevin Steen in six years. Um, so anyway, yeah, when the next time we convene, we'll be, we'll be discussing the Rumble coming up and Hard to Kill and. You know, New Japan and all that. But anyway, uh, as we wrap up here, Ryan, do you have a legend killer for us tonight?
1: I do. Actually, I had one, and I don't know what happened to it. I don't have it. I'm sorry. But, Damien, I got a nice twofer.
0: A twofer? Okay, that's fair. We didn't do one last week, so that's fair. So
1: just give it a moment. The first one might be easy. I think you're going to have trouble on the second.
0: As always, we just gotta wait, you know, three hours for his stuff to come in. You should have it. Smart ass. Alright, so I mean that first one, like, that's gotta be Sammy, right? That's Sammy, yep. But that's that he, i honestly, aside from like the face, I feel like what really gives it away is like is is that a oh it's Reservoir Dogs. I thought for a second it was replacements. Yeah. Um, or uh yeah. Well anyway, yeah, Sammy the the man's just got a face, it's very hard to I, so what, I had is this, one, is this I had like one a, of
1: Sammy, which I'm kind of, like, sabotaging myself, because I could have kept it in the pocket. But for a bonus one, when I do recover it, I'll show it to you.
0: Okay. Is this Sammy, like, smack dab in the middle of Generico? Is this, like, Ring of Honor Sammy? Yeah,
1: probably. I wouldn't be surprised if this is Sammy's name. Or PWG, like,
0: rather, I'm sorry.
1: No, probably before that. It's probably, like, Ring of Honor, like, uh, Generico without the mask.
0: Gotcha. Okay. So... All right, so for this second guy here, well, first off, I can only kind of tell, but is that Kevin Owens next to him? No. Okay. Uh, my first initial guess would be uh Pac, Ak, and Neville. Yep. Good. There you <laughs> go. Look at the string bean of a man right here. Look at fuck him. Look at me. Inst- first guesses for both of them. Yeah,
1: right. This is like some AV club fucking Pac.
0: Yeah, this. <laughs> it's so funny. It, what what gave it away? Aside from the fact that like like clean shaven Neville is such a pure face, it's hard to forget. But once I saw the size comparison, I was like, okay, so he's on the shorter side. There's only so many people that look like that. Yeah, this is before Pock Neville became just shredded out of his goddamn mind and the most vascular human being on the planet. Uh, so again, so this must be early, early like. Didn't he also start in PWG? Wasn't that where he got his start? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, who, is it anybody of note standing next to him? It, like in the cropped photo?
1: Oh, I have no idea. I just saw this cropped photo.
0: Do you see why I think it's Kevin Owens? Take a look at like the eye shape in the corner there. Yeah,
1: I can see his little like fat right. upper face.
0: Yeah, little, little, little guys. Little chub. Um, I'll, I'll look, I'll look further into this. You know, speaking of PWG, the one thing that I do think people should uh keep an eye out for is so PWG's annual, like what used to be the biggest tournament of the indies, the battle for Los Angeles, Bola, or Battle of Los Angeles, rather, uh, is coming back in full force. And so far, who's been announced is we've got Give me that. They've announced 11 so far. Let me try to find a list here. Okay. So far they have announced uh, Aramis, Davy Richards, which is interesting. Lee Moriarty, Bandito, Jack Cartwheel, Daniel Garcia, Black Tarus, Leo Rush, Kevin Blackwood, Alex Shelley, and Jonah Rock, uh, who you would formerly know as uh, Bronson Reed. So d- pretty solid looking already. It's cool to see like Leo Rush back in there. I I feel like it could be really cool if, like, Gargano showed up in that. Like, that seems like the type of thing Gar- I could see Gargano or even Brian Danielson showing up at. Um, what's cool about Bola now is that because AEW and Impact... AEW a little bit more so, uh, but because them and Impact are perfectly willing to let their talent kind of go do things like this, and with Ring of Honor you know, dissolving for the moment, you could see a really fucking stacked bola depending on who wants to show up.
1: I think the element of surprise is almost greater now than it was a couple of years ago.
0: And and this feels like the first time there's been anybody talking about PWG since, you know, the Bucks and yeah. Tommaso Ciampa and Gargano, since like 2014-15. It feels like the first time you're really talking about PWG again.
1: Wouldn't it be great if fucking like the convinced? Events- Vince to let him go there. Or somebody uh, like, that. Be a, like I Edge mean, imagine if like shit. Kevin,
0: like Kevin Owens shows up for One Night Only as Kevin's. Ste- yeah, yeah, that would be so fucking cool. But either way, uh, it's really cool to see like Lee Moriarty and Daniel Garcia there. You know, those are the types of people that because Bola was not just for established vets, but also for you know your young and up and comers to show what they got. So like maybe you'll see Dante Martin. It'd be cool to see Wheeler Yuta there. Uh, this is very interested. Very interested to see what happens, and it's cool to talk about Bola. You know, I think that's fun. Absolutely, the Thinking okay. Man's Promotion. The sink, the Thinking Man's Promotion. Uh, because no one thinks more about PWG having Jushin Thunder Liger yell at Tommaso Ciampa, thumb up my asshole. Uh, and then do a conga line. And then do a Congo line with thumbs up asses. Truly yeah. innovative shit there, Pat. Absolutely spectacular. Okay. So,
1: Damien, let's do uh, let's do something a little different here. Uh, oh, This okay. is going to be our probably final episode before the uh, the end of the year.
0: That it will. So what is likely. your
1: album of the year?
0: Ooh, album of the year. All on right. On the spot. I, it's always hard for me to say on the spot because I never fucking remember what actually comes out in the year. Yeah, whatever. Uh, something that
1: comes to mind. Something that resonated I'm, with you.
0: Well, I mean, Glow On, Turnstiles album was really fucking good, and I feel like I'd probably put that pretty far up in terms of, of things I really liked this mm-hmm. year. Uh, Bo Burnham's Inside. That's definitely an album of the year for me. Uh, If this came out this year, then this might be my... I feel like it came out in 2020. Is it? No, it's not 2020. Yeah, Okay on the spot if you were just like what album meant you know did you listen to the most what's your album of the year i would say it was teenage wrist's earth is a black hole just fucking pure post grunge perfection uh driving hard rock with a shit ton of heart and melody behind it uh if you had to put me on the spot that would probably be the album that did it for me um okay. but the other two with with honorable mention uh yeah those would be mine. That'd be my album of the year if you had to put me on a spot. Okay. What about you?
1: I'm going Go On by Turnstile. Now yeah, I could It's a said, fair pick. Yeah, I could have said Radical by Every Time I Die. I could have said Fortitude by Gojira, but those two albums, like, it... Fortitude, oh, see, I forgot about
0: Fortitude. Fortitude was really fucking good.
1: Right, but Fortitude just creates, it just continues the legacy of Gojira. Radical just continues the legacy of Every Time I Die. Glow On, I listened to it up and down fucking I 84 this weekend, going up to Boston and going back it to Boston.
0: It established them as like the premier fucking weird right. post hardcore. And band. it yeah. just,
1: it, it's just an album that's going to resonate me with me forever. Uh, it's, 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 a, it's a hardcore album for everybody. Well, my girlfriend who like doesn't like, you know, she loves her punk uh, she fucking loved it. My brothers up in Boston who are mainly disco heads and eighties musics, they loved it' it has it has like that lush eighties production on it yeah they love yep. they're a big fan of blood orange blood orange is fucking on it uh it you know it has no, it's not relate really, I'm not comparing it to it whatsoever. I'm just talking about like a personal aspect of it. The first time I listened to in keeping Secrets Silent thing. In Keeping Secrets, Silent Earth 3 by Coheed and Cambria. I felt like... I just felt so fucking cool listening to this album. You know, maybe I'm getting older. Maybe I'm just an old man now. But, like, you (laughs) you feel cool listening to this album. You really feel you're on the precipice of, like, a new sound. But not really. You know what I mean? They just... They, have, they do a very good job of blending a lot of things together. Like, I heard some Kerry King dive bombs on this album. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hear some Stephen Carpenter just, you know, never-ending fucking chugging riffs on this. Uh, I heard some Depeche Mode interludes. You know, it, 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 they really did a really good fucking job with this album. I don't yeah, I-
0: no, but the, I agree. The fact that you can put songs like like Endless was one of my most listened to songs this year. The fact that a song like Endless could exist next to Holiday, could exist next to Underwater Boy, like you said, like it really yeah. does. It's rare that a band genuinely feels like they're pioneering and you something could probably new.
1: pick out the punk elements in this album that i didn't oh, listen, even address it's
0: all over the place absolutely yeah. listen they're they're a hardcore band at heart that's who turnstile is songs like endless show you that they're very much rooted in that like late 80s early 90s gorilla biscuits you know judge yep. uh point youth brigade style but like you said they they they, they the R and B and hip hop influence to go with like the post grunge shoegaze. It, like it's it really does feel fresh and new. I, I I think I agree with that.
1: You know I think people have become very disdained with the current situation of pop music, but I think we're starting to see the younger generation is hyping up their shit accordingly, and you're going to see bands like Turnstile get up there, man. I'm telling you, it. The coin, the f- the coin will flip. We will have, you know, whatever you want to fucking go by charts these days. It doesn't really fucking matter. But uh, in terms of the zenith and scope of the current pop culture, eye, bands will get up there. I promise you. Turnstile, you know, even if they're not the band to do it, you know, you have like, you know, like Olivia Rodrigo, her getting exactly a huge on what that I album. was gonna say. The people sound- like Olivia people the like olivia being, rodrigo
0: yep. it, 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 the rock it very much has been alive instruments like real instruments is very much alive and pop and the fact that you have people like willow and olivia rodrigo doing this the fact you have turnstile mixing pop yep. it, absolutely the sound, I, I sound is think being established
1: man it's only a fucking like you know it's only a matter of time i'm very happy to see
0: it yeah absolutely i would also like give one last shout out to infinite granite by Def heaven i really like that album and uh I always enjoy some Deaf Heaven. But yeah, all cool. all solid choices, um, for sure. And as we pioneer twenty twenty two, we get into a new year of the same shit and you know, we all die and But the important thing is and though nothing our bodies matter <laughs> Nothing else matters but good, solid wrestling. And we are blessed to live in a time where despite all of this pain and suffering and misery, we somehow still have good wrestling. Can't believe that that, that is a thing. Um so yeah, well next time we see you, we'll be coming at you with plenty of stuff to talk about. Uh we've got some profiles in the works, uh some interviews we're mulling over. So we, you know, we'll be keeping it varied. Uh school's out for a month, so we'll definitely be thinking about some shit and try to make sure we're real consistent for you folks out there. But as always, we appreciate you and uh it's nice to have another New Year's with my good pal Ryan here. Oh, so, Happy New Year's, buddy. Un- Happy New Year's in the past future. So, until next time, for Ryan and for myself, this has been the most electrifying must listen to podcast in sports entertainment. This has been FFC.